As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Football League show, midweek action, a miserable return to Bramall Lane for Chris Wilder and Kesara Sara for Sutton and Rotherham. Some people think I'm a mouthy git. We hear from the new Lake Norient manager and look ahead to the weekend. QPRV Luton, a massive matchup in League One, and Sparky looks to get off the mark with Bramford. That's all to come in this Totally Football League show, in association with Paddy Power. Here we are then, gang, ready to talk through all the latest happenings in the world of the English Football League. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, are Adrian Clark. Hello. And Michelle Owens back with us too. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Hey, you got an exciting game that you were hosting uh, in midweek after that. Don't sound so surprised. Don't sound so surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was a bit, it's an intriguing matchup because before the game, it's Papa John's semi and I had Hayden Mullins on the sofa and, and Sam Park. And before the game, they were both like, no, we, we really fancy Sutton. Don't fancy Wigan in this one. And obviously they changed their whole 11. And it was pretty obvious sort of in the first 30 minutes, they did look like they hadn't played together. I think the guys were saying, yeah, you can tell they've just been on the training ground and, and been working on things, you know, probably the day before. And, and fair enough, you know, massive game at the weekend. That is probably Wigan's focus. And with respect, they might have looked at Sutton and thought, well, maybe we can make 11 changes. But I think they soon realised that they couldn't. Um, bit of controversy for both goals. Was there a handball in the build-up to both of them? But they sort of even themselves out when we don't have VAR. These things sometimes have a way of, of working themselves out. And yeah, Sutton more than held their own. Probably had the better chances in the second half. And then we had the drama and penalty shootout, which we all love. And oh, Dean Bazunas. What a keeper. And we go again, but it's uh, Buzanis who is next, Ahmed. Yes. Buzanis has taken the mantle on himself to take this spot kick, which I'm sure will surprise Jones. So he's already saved one tonight, as Buzanis. It's all on him here to keep starting in the shootout. Buzanis, great penalty, opposite way of Jones, and he's put Sutton into another crucially advantageous position. It's 6 5 now. Smashed his pen in. And then saves from Dariqua. Three blows his whistle. Dariqua steps up. Buzanis saves! Sutton United are going to Wembley and have won the shootout here against Wigan Athletic. Dean Buzanis, the hero, has sent Sutton into raptures after 41 years. They're heading to the famous arch. And the joy 
is unconfined by all involved. Mancray's fist high into the air. The board are sharing the celebrations. The fans are in raptures. Sutton have done it on penalties. 7-6. Steve is the hero once again. So he was the hero. He did a lovely interview after and sort of said him and Matt Gray just sort of tried to vocalise what it means for Sutton to get to Wembley. You know, it's their first senior cup final at Wembley ever. And it was almost an all-League two clash, wasn't it, when, when Hartlepool took it all the way against Rotherham last night. So, yeah, I think League 2 have more than done themselves justice in this competition. You might expect Rotherham to be there because it's the best of those two leagues, isn't it? And should the best of those be in the final? But look, the others aren't there. So credit to Rotherham as well. They've done a great job to get there. And I'm doing the final. And honestly, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because um, sometimes we get some epic finals. I always remember it's the JPT, but... In the was it the noughties, it was the JPT. J, yeah, JPT, Sherpa Vans Trophy, LDV Vans Trophy. I think LDV there was auto, auto glass. Anyway, I get confused. But <laughs> I do remember there being some epic JPT trophy finals through the years. And yeah, now, now we're going to do it on Sunday the 3rd of April. Really looking forward to it. And it should be a good matchup. I think Sutton could cause an upset here and they'll bring... Pretty loyal supporters to Wembley. What a day out for them. So, can't wait. Clarkie, it's, it's a competition that is derided often by us, particularly in its early stages. But, I mean, for Sutton, it's not going to be the biggest day in their history. You'd say that was when they came up, but it's not going to be far off, is it? It's, it's an incredible achievement for, that, for them. It's fantastic. And it's a wonderful experience for the players and the staff as well, because in the course of a career, and we know football careers can be really short, you know, things like this don't don't happen to that many players, and you will always look back on it. You, yeah, they'll look back on this day, win, lose, or draw, as you know. Didn't we do well? Didn't we do well to get to Wembley? What about the time we, we took our our supporters to you know to Wembley beneath the arch? So so no, it was, it, it's a great great achievement from Sutton, you know, and to, and to do it by beating Wigan, you know, arguably the second best team in the competition according to league placings i think that is that is outstanding from on their behalf and 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 they've just been awkward opponents all year haven't they in league 2 and in the cups they they won't roll over for anyone they they have a spirit about them and that spirit i think will hold them in good stead against rotherham who you know i don't think will run away with it in the showpiece final and they've got so many games rotherham haven't they they've got so much fixture congestion coming up and for Sutton as well, like you said, they surprise people with how, not surprise them because we know how they're going to play now, but they're just so tricky to play against. Their first time ever in the competition and look, they can win it and they can go up in the same season. It's, it's an amazing story. But credit to Rotherham for being there too. Yep, April the 3rd for that final then. Uh, meanwhile, in the Championship, Chris Wilder's return to Bramall Lane went about as badly as it could have done. His Borough side got whooped 4-1. Uh, the last thing we want to do is get, get on the lifeline. Ball's ball, in it goes, Gibbs, White! Goodness me! Well, that is a goal of exceptional quality. Sheffield United hit four against Middlesbrough and Ben Osborne's cross. It means United are up to fifth. Borough two points off the playoff places. Uh, Wilder said it was a little bit more than painful. It was a really poor performance from us. It wasn't a tactical battle. They just outperformed us individually. There are no positives for us tonight. I'm quite shocked how poor the players were. Clarky, would he have been as scathing if if he'd had an hour breather in between the game finishing and doing that <laughs> interview? Do you think he regrets some of those comments a bit now or is it fair enough? I think it's fair enough. It, they were outplayed, no doubt about it. I, I don't 
agree with him on the tactical battle in in terms of it wasn't a tactical battle that these players were just were just outmaneuvered it they they were outmaneuvered because of in part Sheffield United's tactics I think that Paul Heckenbottom Paul Heckenbottom got it right when you're up against a side with wing backs that, that want to fly forward you know centre halves that want to join in the best way to negate that is by being brave and, and getting in their face and really working overtime to stop them at source, basically pin them back inside their own half so that they have to play it long. And and if if Middlesbrough play it long and you've got the likes of Balogun and Connolly up there or Spora, it's not really going to work, is it? It's, for, for Middlesbrough, it's about playing through the thirds, combination play. They pressed. They pressed the, the life out of them, uh, Sheffield United in the game, pinned those wing-backs back and it was it thoroughly deserved... 4-1 win. Again, that man I keep going on about, Morgan Gibbs-White, just just sensational. What That flick volley. <laughs> that was absolute class. I think that Mitrovic aside, he, he might be the best player in the, in the league right now as it stands. Yeah, certainly one of the best signings of the season. One defeat in 12 for Sheffield now, but for Borough, their away struggles continue. Three defeats on the road in succession for them and they are both away this weekend those two teams Sheffield at Coventry and Borough at Millwall and meanwhile Swansea held Fulham at arm's length during the first half of their meeting in South Wales but the game turned on Ryan Manning's dismissal just before the break six goals in the second half five of them from the visitors to Nico and he's done it again Nico Williams and that is an absolute perler as it was headed away he's waiting just over 20 yards from goal Took it on his chest, Jamie. The right-footed finish on the volley is sublime. This kid is sensational for me. Michelle, they're 14 points clear of third place Huddersfield now with a game in hand. They've got 11 games left. They're going to be promoted long before that. I mean, they're just tearing up the records, aren't they? Goal difference plus 59. I know. That's their 13th win this season by a margin of three goals or more. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And... They All they need is 17 points from their remaining games to guarantee automatic promotions. That's six wins. And that would only need to be necessary if Huddersfield win all of their remaining games. And look, it's only going to be a massive catastrophe if, if, if they don't do it. But just by far the best in the championship. And whenever they've had a slight wobble or maybe you've seen them have a defeat, you've been like, oh, didn't see that coming. It's never upset them too much. They haven't had major wobbles that I can think of this season, like like Bournemouth have had and well, Huddersfield are on an incredible run now. But I can't think of a moment this season where I've doubted if Fulham will go up. I can't think of one. And Alexander Mitrovic is obviously their absolute star. And it'll be interesting when they go up to see if he does it next season in, in the Premier League. But I agree. I think the game did turn on Ryan Manning being sent off, controversial sending off. Um, but Fulham are averaging 2.54 goals per match this season. And if they carry on, that will be another 28 goals before the end of the season. So they're going for records, aren't they? I was reading a piece on The Athletic. If they get near that, they could bring the record goal difference in the second tier, which was set by Liverpool, plus 74. And that was back in 1895 <laughs> to 1896. So it's been a while. And they're on 15, plus 59 now. So, yeah, definitely could see them doing that right now. And Mitrovic is 30, 35. And what are we? We're not even quite mid-March now. So I think he's going to hit 40. 
Easily. Incredible stuff. Incredible. That piece that uh, Michelle mentions, by the way, by Peter Rutzler up on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash league show, the place to go to sign up for a pound a month for the first six months. Elsewhere, Luton completed the double over Coventry for the first time since 1987, a 1-0 win at the CBS Arena. And we're going to talk a bit about Luton later when we preview their weekend game. But but Adrian, last week we, we mentioned Coventry and their, their home woes. No wins in nine now. It sort of occurred to me watching the highlights of this game that maybe sharing a pitch with a rugby team is not the most <laughs> conducive thing uh, for, for a football team who want to do well at home. No, but they're home, aren't they? And that's the that's that's all they really care about, isn't it? But yeah, I, I take the point, and it, it probably isn't isn't too helpful. But it might help them in certain games, you know, where where they come up against opponents that that want to play it on the deck. I, they're a funny team, aren't they, Coventry? I think they've done really well this season. That has to be said. We're, they're not in any kind of trouble. They still hold a faint hope of of getting in the playoffs. That that's excellent from their point of view. They've plateaued. I think we can all see that. The strikers have have lost their way a little bit, haven't they? Waghorn, Jokeres, you know, the, the other guys there up top haven't been as prolific as they were earlier on in the season. And I think that's made a made a big difference. They weren't rubbish in this game by any stretch of the imagination. They're probably the better team for for periods, but they couldn't couldn't make the breakthrough against Luton. Um, the Good news from their point of view is that uh, Gus Hammer or Hamer has uh, signed a new deal. And I think he's he's definitely one of their key men, isn't he? He's a bit of a tiger in the midfield there, gets about the pitch, scores good goals, got a got a hammer shot on him. So he's he's signed up for uh until twenty twenty four. So that's a plus. But for Coventry it's about sort of building for next season. if you cast your mind back, Fulham Okay, that's the standout win of the season, wasn't it? 4-1, smash Fulham. It was the 2nd of October. Since then, every win they've had, Coventry City, is against a team that's currently 15th or below. So they've they've basically beaten no one of note since that Fulham win. And and, and that's the reason they're, they're around mid-table, I suppose. Yeah, and they're going to be without Jake Bidwell for six weeks. He's got a groin injury. Uh, Blackburn nil, Millwall nil. On the face of it, not very interesting. Blackburn now have only scored once in their last eight games. Speaking of pieces up on The Athletic, there's one now by Mark Carey, who's tried to explain Millwall coming up with an XG of 0.0. How's this for a stat, Clark? You like one. In the past five championship seasons, across 2,649 games of football, this is the first time that any side has failed to attempt a shot on goal. <laughs> uh, it's quite... Yeah, it's, it's almost a badge of honour, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when you think of it like that, it's, it's certainly a badge of honour for Blackburn, who... Yeah, have kept Wouldn't you just have a shot from the halfway line? Like, exactly. Just yeah. At some point. Like, it, we haven't had a shot all game. Let's have a shot. I mean, I mean, imagine paying for a ticket, right? If you're a Millwall fan, you know, you've spent, I don't know, 30 Tuesday quid on a night, ticket. London to yeah. Lancashire. You, you've got back at what, three in the morning? You're, you're cold. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 what a miserable night out. That, that must have been for Millwall fans. But they've, they've been in good form. That's, that's what makes this stat. So bizarre. They came into the match, you know, feeling very good about themselves. But to have, yeah, no shots is just, just crazy, really. Um, but yeah, we we probably, probably should have expected it to be low scoring. Blackburn not exactly been amongst the goals, have they? No. 
Uh, a signal for Barnsley at Oakwell. The Tykes seem set for a crucial three points in their fight against relegation until Lewis Baker equalised for Stoke in the fifth minute of stoppage time. I mean, Signa's the best way to describe this, isn't it, Michelle? Because they actually look like the better team scored a brilliant goal through Domingos Quina and that, you know, that victory would have meant everything, but it'll feel like a defeat rather than a point gained. It's horrible, isn't it? They all, all managers say that when, when you're winning 1-0 and you concede so late and you still get a point, but it feels like you've walked, walked away with none, but especially for Barnsley at the moment where things are just so desperate. It was it was quite ironic because Stoke had, had shipped late goals in, in five of their previous six games. So, if anything, if you're a stats man like Adrian, you would have imagined it being the other way around. But yeah, it it doesn't feel like a point gained for for Stoke uh, for Barnsley rather because it's a point gain for Stoke, but it's not a point gain for Barnsley because instead of being three points behind Reading, it's a gap of five. And at this point in the season, those those gaps have to get smaller and smaller. And things look still look desperate from a Barnsley perspective. When they beat Middlesbrough, which was a bit of a surprise, and that came off the back of beating Hull as well, that run at the end of February, we're thinking, oh, I, I thought they were bottom. I thought they were down and out. So they are showing fight. And if they've got a bit of perspective back, then it is a point gained, but they'll be absolutely gutted with that. Five points at the moment is the gap. They have played the same games as, as Reading, but I still, just, I still don't think they're going to have enough. But... You know, it's great to be proven wrong. So let's see what happens. Fulham on Saturday. So yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Their running actually is is not particularly favourable either at the end of the season. Huddersfield, they've got to play uh, towards the end of the season. And I think their final game is against West Brom. Now I know West Brom have fallen away, but the quality in that squad facing that on the final day is, is going to be tough for Barnsley if they've got something to play for. Tough for Barnsley, even tougher, I would suggest, for... Peterborough, even though they managed to draw 1-1 away to Bournemouth, only one point from the last two games uh, for Bournemouth, and they had to come from behind to get it here. Scott Parker said, we should win that game. We should win that game. That's not being respect- disrespectful, but we should win that game. It's a bit disrespectful, isn't it? Uh, 20 shots and only one goal for them here. <laughs> Michelle, Parker says there's an edginess to his team at the moment and, and that seems right, doesn't it? He also said we, it feels like we need a half-time team talk to get everything uh, resettled and the players sort of can't do it themselves, which felt fairly damning. Yeah, to come out in, in public and say that was interesting to read, but maybe he's saying it to sort of galvanise his players because they do look edgy. They've been up there all season, but they've got three games on hand in hand on the teams around them. And I look at that as a football fan and the automatic thing we always do is see three games, nine points, and then they'll be at this position in the table, although they'll be this far clear of Huddersfield. But I'm not sure I see it with Bournemouth at the moment. I agree with Scott Parker. They, they do look edgy. You know, against Peterborough, if you put your acker on that week, you would have easily bet on Bournemouth beating Peterborough. But some of the results recently, you're scratching your head about, you know, the Preston defeat and the other victories they've had apart from the Birmingham one, have been by narrow narrow margins. So they're not setting the world alight at all. They are edgy. They are nervous. And I guess it's just this this time of season. They've only lost seven games all season, which is pretty decent. But they do look like they know the finish is in sight. And it's that extra pressure at this time of the season. You'd probably rather have, well, all day, you'd rather have the points rather than have the games in hand. So the pressure's on them. And, and their games in hand aren't, aren't particularly easy 
either. And they've still got to play Huddersfield and Sheffield United and, and Middlesbrough and Fulham and Blackburn Rovers before the end of the season and Forest. So I think there are many fixtures. Out of all the teams going for promotion, they've got one of the hardest run-ins. Yeah, I think Scott Parker, it's just his, maybe his style of management is... He's maybe not helping in the current situation. I think he's very tactical. He's very serious about the work that he does. And it's a serious job and I get that. But sometimes I think he can get a little bit bogged down in, in the sort of little nuances. And sometimes, especially when you've got such a talented group of players to work with, sometimes you just got to let them go free a touch. And, and I think that's been part of their problem this season. It's been a little bit regimented or mechanical at times. The other thing I wanted to mention was Ethan Laird. He was sensational at Swansea, wasn't he? He was absolutely brilliant down that right-hand side. Look, one of the best players in his position in the division. And he's barely been used. And, you know, he was left out again, apparently for tactical reasons. Needs a bit more work. I mean, that... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I get that because he didn't need he's any got, work at Swansea. He's got so much to choose from, Adrian. Yeah. He's got so many players to choose from. You know, he had... <laughs> The best January transfer window that any EFL manager could have dreamed of. And he's got all these quality players. And if they are to stutter, it's going to be on Scott Parker's head now. Head, but definitely. Is, it, is yeah. it sort of, is it because they're not gelling together? They've got all these stars. How do you keep them all happy? I, I don't know. If, if he's saying it's for tactical reasons and he's, he's not quite ready, I think he's, he's looking to pass on a lot of information. He's looking for something different from his fullbacks or wingbacks that compared to, to what Laird was doing for Swansea. Now, Laird is a good player. And he's missing out on the use of a really quick, positive, attack-minded player that might have undone Peterborough in that game if he'd have just been allowed to go out and play his natural game. So, yeah, I think that, that this wobble is in part down to, to the gaffer as well. I think he has to maybe maybe look at that. Yeah, he said uh, of Ethan Laird, he needs a bit more work to get the levels of what we ask of our fullbacks to get to the level for him to perform at his optimum and for all for us all to see the best Ethan Laird. All right, so that was the midweek in the championship. After the break, we'll have a look at what happened in League One. So, Mr. Ranyak, what's on your mind? I'm thinking of opening a toy shop. Okay. Yeah, Ronaldo keeps throwing from the pram his toys. I could make a fortune. And he cost you one as well. Fortunately, with Paddy Power, you know you're always getting the best deals. Like a completely free £5 bet builder on Man United v Spurs this Saturday. Paddy Power! Pretty much online bet builder bets only. Min two plus legs. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. Seven day free bet expiry. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Busy midweek in League One as well. Sunderland had to come from behind to earn just their second ever win against Fleetwood. It moves them back into the playoff places as a result. Uh, Clark, you're not the main takeaway from this game, but I did enjoy that the uh, the advertising boards had just turned over to say, please play responsibly as Sunderland gave the ball away for, for <laughs> Ellis Harrison's opener. Um, but they did after that, to be fair, so they clearly took heed. Oh, what a good spot that is. I love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a really bad start. Really bad. Yeah, Bailey Wright with a, with an error and Harrison tucked it away nicely. Harrison's done pretty well, hasn't he, for Fleetwood since since joining from Pompey. And it was, yeah, this wasn't a glorious win for, for Sunderland. No, no way. Wasn't a promotion-looking performance. But but they got they got the win. And I, th- I think it was quite a good night for Alex Neal because as bad as it was, he changed it at half-time, a double sub, 
went went to a back three, um, Clark and Gooch, two really attack minded wing backs. So he, he he went for it, so to speak. He went went with something adventurous, and and it worked. And and uh, Clark in particular was excellent. Scored scored a really good goal. O'Neill, who came off the bench, came on and made a real difference. We know that he's got so much energy to get into the box to to make a difference, and and he did, didn't he? So. Yeah, it turned out nicely for Sunderland, but not vintage by any stretch of the imagination. For me, they look like a team that need Pritchard back and they need Broadhead back. When they had Broadhead and Stewart, they were excellent. Um, and I, it, it, it sounds strange to say it now, but if Broadhead hadn't have got injured, I think in the game against Arsenal, I think Lee Johnson would still be managing Sunderland. I really do. So it's, it's on those it's on those little moments that that futures can be decided. As for Fleetwood, well, 10, 10 without a win. Just can't keep a clean sheet, can they? I don't think they're a terrible team, but you've got to, they've got to start, you know, closing the closing the door on opponents. Otherwise, they're going to sort of sleepwalk into the bottom four. Yeah, the relegation battle in League One is actually, uh, is really hotting up. It looks like that several teams could be, could be dragged into it. Cheltenham won't be one of those. I don't think, Michelle, they've had a, a perfectly respectable season back in League One, albeit beaten 3-1 at MK Dons in midweek. Liam, very much the uh, the main manning for the Dons at the moment. We'll talk about them more in our preview section, but I noticed that, that Troy Parrott managed to get a couple of goals here. So if even he's starting to chip in, hadn't scored since September prior to that, then, then everything is in their favour. Yeah, but he's a, I think he's a bit of a fan favourite from what I've read for MK Dons. Yeah, he hasn't scored since September, but he's a bit of a workhorse. And yeah, it's it's, it's brilliant that he, he's got back to scoring ways because when he scored, I saw it back and he got a huge ovation. You know, so obviously he's very well loved there. And Moisa, Moisa can't stop scoring his fourth goal in as many starts. <laughs> Do you say Issa or Issa, guys? Oh, the, I've got no idea. I, I, I change it every time, Michelle. And, Fair enough. And, yeah, and commentators seem to differ on it, it as well. Everyone says it differently, but yeah, Troy Parrott got a brace and I know it was just a consolation from Will Boyle, but this sets up Saturday so nicely for MK Dons. I know that we're going to have the, the games in hand. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but I think that's five wins in a row for MK Dons and there's always the teams that hit form towards the end of the season and and it's MK Dons and at the moment I wouldn't write them off getting in the top two and what a fantastic season for Liam Manning. Yeah he's done brilliantly so far. Uh, Plymouth another team who moved back into the playoffs like Sunderland on Tuesday they beat struggling Wimbledon scoring with each of their only shots on target there you go Millwall that's how you do it efficiency. <laughs> um, Clarky this, this is a, a Steve Schumacher side now rather than a, a Ryan Lowe one right that period of transition has been managed really well. Yeah, but he just hasn't tinkered with it too much because there wasn't really much wrong with it, was there? The, the, the system works, the back three, he's got good strikers, he's got three excellent strikers. So he, he plays two up and one of them comes in off the bench. I look at their squad now and even though we've been labelling them overachievers and, and that's probably fair, I do like their squad. I think it's pretty strong and, and their bench is is decent as well. Just look at the back. Dan Scar, who's been a sort of mainstay for them this season's out at the moment. But James Bolton has come in, middle of the back three, holding it all together. So yeah, this was this was efficient because because actually AFC Wimbledon outshot them in the game. They missed a big chance. I think it was Cosgrove early on. It was pretty much an open goal. 
real let off for Plymouth and and against decent teams you can't you just can't afford to 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 do those do those things and and yeah they they ruthlessly sort of swatted them to one side really good run and cross from Ennis for Broom and and Hardy with a neat finish as well his 17th of the season Plymouth are a good team make no mistake and yeah they're they're not going to disappear do do, do you think do you think Argyle are going to make the playoffs because I've got a husband that's desperate so just interesting (laughs) to know your thoughts it's just so tight isn't it do you think they've got I look at what's coming up behind them do you mm. think over the line and Stephen Schumacher is an experience I, I do because I think that I think they can finish above Wickham Wickham conceding too many goals I think Portsmouth are on a bit of a roll at the moment but can they really be trusted to be consistent you could probably say the same about Ipswich Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday are ones to watch I think I think Wednesday and Ipswich are the teams that Plymouth probably have to keep at bay but I don't trust Sunderland. I, I think Sunderland could easily drop out of it and, and Plymouth stay in there. I mean, they have got two games in hand, Plymouth, on on Sunderland, and they're only one point behind them. So, no, I, I do think they're capable. Um, they've you know, not lost many games this season, yeah. Plymouth Argyle. They score goals. They're yeah, defensively more solid than some of their rivals, certainly more solid than Oxford, Sunderland, Wickham. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think they're capable, but... but I, but but those strikers, Hardy and Ennis in particular, I think that those two guys have to stay fit. Yeah. Uh, so that was League One. In League Two, Bristol Rovers only two points off the playoff places after they won 2-1 at Crawley to claim their fifth maximum in the past seven games. Crawley boss John Yems could be forgiven for thinking it wasn't nice to see them. To see them. Nice. Did we deserve a lose? I, you know, talking to Joey and that just there. It was a good game. Better game for them, but it's a good game. Good game. I'm Bruce Forsyth here. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Yamo says Rovers are going up. Would you would you agree with that, or is that classic Yamo? Hey, we played a really good team here. Don't blame me. Yeah, the latter, I'd say. But <laughs> look, I, I did Bristol Rovers a fair bit last season when Joey Barton took over when I was reporting, and they're a mess. They're an absolute shambles. And the way he used to talk about the players and and some of the stuff that went on in the dressing room, I couldn't ever see how it was going to work. But look, if you give a boss time, this is what can happen. I, I like the way he called Harry Anderson his own James Milner. I think it was sort of a nod to his unselfish nature and, you know, he's happy to slot in and doesn't give up a lost cause. But Bristol Rovers, five wins from the last seven. They're on a charge at the moment and they're there or thereabouts. After they lost to Newport County, I thought, no, maybe, maybe they're not really in the mix for the playoffs. And they come back and they bounce back. So... I could I could absolutely see them now in that top seven come the end of the season. They're, they're up there with the teams in and around them. So 54 points. Oh, there's, there's nothing to separate them, is there? Exeter and third are on 57. It's so exciting. I think the League Two playoff race arguably could be the most exciting because it's just so tight. Yeah, we said that at the start of the season. That it, was, yeah. it was so wide open. Um, on Bristol Rovers, by the way, Across the last 12 games, which is pretty much a third of the season, second best team in the division, Bristol Rovers in terms of their record, the best, of course, uh, MDA's hot tip, uh, Mansfield Town. But um, but yeah, Bristol Rovers are, yeah, across the last 12 games, they're better than Forest Green. So we have to take them yeah. seriously. Uh, what about Exeter, Adrian? You taking them 
Seriously, beat Swindon by three goals to one in the Sand Parking Derby. Up into the final automatic promotion place, having started the evening outside the playoffs. I mean, they'll be desperate to avoid them, won't they, if there's any chance. What is it, three playoff final oh. defeats since 2017? Oh. Yeah, they're, they're, they're beaten, aren't they? Before a ball's been kicked, if they get into the playoffs, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> no, I mean, That's I shouldn't laugh about that, but there is, there is that, there is that psychological damage, isn't there? But... I do like them, yeah. They're a good team, settled side, you know, good way of playing. I think that in Giovanni Brown, they've got one of the form players in the league. Funny season he's had because he's got six goals and nine assists now, which is, you know, you'd say, okay, pretty good, but it means he's, you know, an unselfish striker. Well, five of his six goals have come in the last nine games. So he was one of those that Matt Taylor had in the team because he was delivering everything apart from goals. He just loved his work. He loved the setup play. He, he he backed his man a little bit like Troy Parrott at at MK Dons, and it's come good for him now. You know, five goals in his last nine. On oh, Matt Taylor, by the way, two hundred games in charge now. Oh, he celebrated already? that mass. Yeah, he celebrated that on it, Tuesday. And that's incredible. Yeah, you it has gone really quickly, hasn't it? You thought how would Portisdale be replaced, but he's, I think he's done brilliantly. Superb, and 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 tears won't like this got the highest win percentage of any of the 10 other managers that have um, gone you know managed 200 games he's uh, 43% so so he's doing really well and um, I think he in this match they benefited from Harry McCurdy being suspended Swindon definitely missed his sort of vibe that he's been producing over the last few months but but they did you know they did the business and they're in the mix uh, right, speaking of League Two, we'll hear from its newest manager next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Richie Wellens is back in an EFL hot seat, particularly that of Lake Norium. Wellens unveiled on Wednesday and was kind enough to invite producer Abby along to Brisbane Road for a chat. Let's have a listen to that, shall we? Uh, Richie, back in the game. Talk us through how uh, you got this job and how uh, the conversations kind of came about with Leighton Orient. Yeah, I mean, from leaving Doncaster, I had three, probably three months out. So obviously you want to learn as much um, as you possibly can. So I, I took a few courses, looking at the mental side of the game. Um, and then I was waiting f- for the right job to come up and 
In terms of League Two, I think he's probably late on it was one of six clubs that I would I would like to manage. So and obviously he never was to sack up anyone. But as soon as Kenny had left the club, then it was something that I wanted a conversation with him. And then when I started the conversations, it was really really positive, um, and and hence that's led to this day in a minute. Do you have an interview style like Big Sam get the uh, PowerPoint out, or is it um, sort of very very simple? No, I think early early on you you want to get a connection with people. You've got to get a feel for him, and and when I. And when I've done that, first and foremost, everybody supports Leighton Orient. The football people, they, they want the club to do well. So I think that helps. And then once we got to interview stage, and so you, you want to obviously put presentations on about the style of football, but then I also think that there needs to be a personal element to it. And you have a, a feeling that you can work for the people that are at this club. And I, and I definitely had that. You've mentioned three three months out. You mentioned sort of doing a few um, courses in that. I'm, I'm interested... Were you able to sort of take time out, relax, and kind of recharge, or is that have you been kind of itching yeah. to get back in? I think the first probably the first four four or five weeks, I obviously totally recharged the batteries. I had a holiday um, straight after I'd left Doncaster, and then you start to re-energize, refocus, um, and then obviously in the last three or four weeks, I've been out getting to games and and then start getting that buzz back. Especially when you come to good atmospheres and you see clubs doing well, you see goals going in, and then obviously I've lived. I've lived through football for the last um, 25 years, so it's, it's my life, and um, I've been itching to get back in, and I'm, thank, I'm grateful for this opportunity now. Let's talk about Orient itself. Um, obviously, the club's not one, as you will be well aware, in uh, this calendar year. Does that sort of challenge and kind of turning around this sort of, I don't know, sinking ship almost, uh, does that excite you? I don't like looking back. I, I honestly don't like looking back. If we if we win on Saturday, by the time the, the Forest Green game comes, we won't be thinking that, I'll oh, just think about the win previous Saturday so I'm a big believer in looking forward I think I've got a lot of tools to work with here in terms of the playing personnel um, and once we get into him and once we get into onto the training ground then I just want to see energy I want to see passion off the off the players to play for this football club does it help that you're coming into a club and you obviously know the goalkeeper uh, Bigaru does that help what, that you'll see a familiar face or does it not really make any difference no I think it helps me because I know his ability he's a fantastic goalkeeper um, not just with his with his in terms of his saving shots and his demanding uh, command of the area, he's really, really good with his feet. And I think that's really important for my style of play. Um, and he's someone that I know. And he's someone that um, we can build our relationship. I honestly think he's the best goalkeeper in this league and he has the potential to to most definitely play at one level, if not more. Uh, you mentioned you don't like looking back, and uh, so it's all about taking that first step. What are you seeing as uh, being your immediate sort of building blocks for the team? Confidence, putting a, a smile on, on the player's face, and allowing my freedom to go and play. And I think if we do that, the results will come because I think we've got good players. I don't think we're, the, you know, usually when you're a relegation team, you think right, we're going to have to set up, we're going to be hard to beat, we're going to be really defensive, maybe playing a counter attack. I honestly don't think we've got that personnel. So um, listen, I'll, I'll get to know the players in the coming weeks more. And I'm going to lean on Matt Harold a lot because he's obviously worked with the players for a longer period of time. And then once I start to form my own opinions, then we'll go forward from there. Um, what have you learned from the last two uh, jobs? I think at Salford, learning to manage upwards. I think that's important. Um, I think that was a part of my development because of the pressures that came with that job. And then at Doncaster, was really difficult. We just didn't have the, the personnel, the players fit. Um, and it became really difficult because every time I was picking a team, the opposition was far, far better than us, not just in terms of the starting eleven, but the substitutes bench was, was really strong on the opposition. And I was, you know, I had a lot of under 21s in, in my group. 
probably the four or five best players at the club would never played a minute for me, the likes of John Taylor or Kinnabiri never actually played a minute for me. So that was that was difficult. But again, I don't want to really dwell on the past. Don, Doncaster's a fantastic football club and I hope they can get over this this period. But I've been there as a player in, in successful times in the championship and you know, I hope one day they can get back there. Two and a half year contract, uh, which means that there is definitely some long term vision given to you by the club. Um, your son plays for Manchester United yeah. in 23s. Do you think that gives you any scope with trying to get loanies in come uh, uh, the summer? No, I mean, I've always had a good relationship with big clubs in terms of attracting their loan players. That's been quite easy. It was more difficult at Doncaster because we didn't have no money to to actually pay any wage contributions to them loan players. So that made it more difficult. But um, again, the location here, you've got massive clubs on your doorstep. So. Um, I think first and foremost, let's get some wins on the board. Let's get into a position where we can then start developing a team for next year. And also me and my staff get out and watch under 23s games from now to the end of the season and see if we can see any potential players for, for next year. Does the idea of coming to London and living in London, working in London, does that excite you? Apart from the traffic, yeah, I have to say I had a journey the other day from, from Hyde Park to Euston, which was a two-mile journey. And I didn't know it was a two-mile journey at the time. It took me an hour and 40 because the tube was on strike, so... I was, I've now been informed that it would have been actually quicker to get out and walk. So the taxi driver still took the 60 quid off me, which I'm not happy about. But listen, it is what it is. I mean, what I mean, fantastic place to live. Um, I've heard the training grounds in a really nice area. So again, for me and my family, when they come down, it'd be, be a really good place to live. Yeah, there's not that many cheap strikes and it is often quicker to walk everywhere. Um, finally, the problem is if we keep giving them increasing, they're going to keep striking, which very true. every credit to. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, Sam Parkin wanted to know uh, whether he would be uh, on your uh, watch list after the uh, charity match that you had with, uh, played with him a few months ago. Do you know what? I was actually really, really surprised because you see him, he's a big lump. Um, you're thinking, yeah, his mobility is going to be, uh, have gone a bit. So, but um, I have to say I was pleasant surprised. Good left foot, obviously good at holding the ball up. His touch is actually better now than than what it was when he played. So you can tell him that. Definition of good touch for a big lad. Yeah, good touch for a big man, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Richie. Yeah, no problem, thank you. Michelle, feels kind of like this is an appointment that's got to work out for both manager and for club. Obviously, Orient had designs on being promoted this season. Now their only concern is staying up. And, and for Wellens, he started the season in, in League One. He doesn't want to finish it in the National League. No, I, he did brilliantly at Swindon, didn't he? Taking them up to to League One, even though it was during that COVID season, the points per game factor. And then maybe he'd say himself the most difficult thing he did was go to Salford, where it where it just didn't work out. This is a, a big chance for him now because you, you, a bit like what Neil Harris has done, but that's a bit more extreme. He could end up in the National League by the end of the season when he was in the Championship. So it's a... It's an interesting appointment. I don't really know what to expect because he was at Doncaster and, and he struggled with them towards the bottom of League One. I think you're right. I think it has to really work out for his immediate future after this. You speak to so many coaches and they're so keen to get back in to league football and he'll be desperate for it to work out for sure. So be keeping a close eye on Leighton Orient's results in the next few weeks. You look at the other contenders, Adrian. They can you can see why they've gone for somebody with experience at this level, uh, other than you know a Jonathan Woodgate or somebody like that. Much better in the position they're in to to go for somebody who immediately knows the league and the players. Yeah, this is more of a percentage play, isn't it, from Leighton Orient rather than going with with a Woodgate who wouldn't know the level. Yeah, Rich Richie Williams. Players speak very highly of him. I think he is a good coach. 
Um, but he needs it, as you guys have outlined. He's, he's had a couple of failures. Obviously, it didn't work out for him at Oldham either. Obviously, you're going back a bit further there, but with Doncaster too. So, yeah, he needs an uplift. He's got the players. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's got some excellent, excellent forward talent. But they are in trouble. I mean, somehow, they're only four points clear of Oldham. Now, what I will say is that their season might might boil down to the games against the, the fellow contenders. They've got Barrow. Um, later on in March, and also Oldham. It's kind of a double header, I think, across Easter. Um, they've got Barrow at home, Oldham away, and then Scunthorpe in the middle of April. Those three games effectively could could decide later in Orient's season. Obviously, he'll want some points on the board before then. Um, but he's an attack-minded coach. They'll go out there to win matches, and, and I think they'll win enough. I really do. Um, even though they're on their knees at the moment, form-wise, it's shocking. They do have the the talent, I think, to to end up somewhere in the lower reaches of mid-table. Well, Orient say they did want Richie Wellens last season, uh, but he was already in work. So hopefully it's an appointment that will work out for both. Uh, his first game's at Hartlepool on Saturday. We're not going to preview that, but we will look at some of the other key fixtures coming up this weekend after this. <laughs> This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In the Championship, Luton will look to maintain their momentum against a QPR side desperately trying to recover some when the pair meet at Kenilworth Road on Saturday. Uh, Adrian, we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit during the show. Luton, one of the form teams just now in the whole of the EFL. Have they gone too soon? When, when's the perfect time <laughs> to time you run into the end of the season? Uh, well, I know what you're saying, but they need you, know, you need the, you need points all the time, don't you? So I don't I don't think they've gone too soon. I suppose you could say they're the they're the hunted rather than the hunters, and maybe that they prefer that. I don't know, but I, surely it's great for great for their confidence that they're right in the mix now, and and they deserve to be in the mix. First goal could win this game for them, as it has done so many others this season. I don't know if you're aware of this. They are the best front runners in the championship, Luton Town. When they've scored first, it's happened 15 times. They've won 14 and drawn one. <laughs> How's that for game management? That is that is excellent. It's well, it's better than excellent. It's it's phenomenal, really. So credit Nathan Jones and the players for for the way that they control matches when they're in front. And yeah, you look at the form book. They they really fancy themselves uh, at home to a sort of out of sorts QPR. The home record is really strong at the moment. And I think we have to take into account as well, by the way, that Luton. Luton have used five keepers this season, if you include the, the guy that played in the FA Cup. Five keepers, that's unsettling. He's had loads of injuries to defenders. At the moment, he's got quite a few out. So, so yeah, I think that they've, it's been a, a truly outstanding campaign from them. The one thing I've noticed about Luton this season that maybe they didn't have last season is stability in their, their, their formation. He was a flip-flopper, wasn't he, Nathan? He, he likes the 4-4-2 diamond, we know. And he, he, would, he would sort of Changed shape on a game-by-game basis a lot last season. Pretty much always a 3-5-2 now. And uh, and that, I think, has also helped them find some real continuity in their, uh, and consistency in their performance. So, yeah, Luton, I wouldn't back against them um, continuing their run with a win against the Hoops. If they beat QPR, Clarky, I think that's when their fans, even if they don't believe already, that's when they believe 
actually, we, yeah. we could definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah QPR have won the last three meetings between the teams. Michelle, you'll be hosting Sky's coverage of this one. Um, QPR, one win in seven league games. Wasn't their sticky period supposed to be when their key men were, were at AFCON? How come it's happening now? <sighs> I don't know. It's, it just seems to have... That sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That pressure seems to just be niggling a little bit. I've seen a bit of Mark Warburton in his post-match interviews and he's been just a little bit prickly at the moment. And they had that win against Blackpool, but they've looked poor against Blackburn Rovers, Cardiff City. They could fall out of the playoff, well, they could fall further away from the playoff places if, if they lose on Sunday. This feels like a massive pivotal game for them. And they're just hitting a bad run of form at completely the wrong time. They did well in January when they weren't supposed to. He needs Chris Willock and Ilias Chair firing. You know, they've produced a combined total of 15 goals for QPR this season. And they've got to get back at it because they've got Luton on Sunday. They've got Nottingham Forest coming up as well. These are the sort of games that could define their season. So if they don't win on Sunday, QPR, they're seventh at the moment. And they'll watch everyone play on Saturday and on Friday night. You'd be a little bit worried as a Hoops fan. Yep, no doubt about it. It's a huge game, that one, and a tricky run for QPR coming up. Uh, There's no doubt about the standout game in League One. Third host, second, MK Dons welcoming Wigan. Two teams we've spoken about a little bit already on the show today. If MK win, they go above Wigan into second place. Uh, we've mentioned Moisa slash Moisa already, Michelle. He's been key for them of late, four in five. You kind of wonder whether he might be in the championship one way or another next season, MK Dons or otherwise. I hope for him, you know, I, I hope he gets an, an opportunity and he's firing at the moment. But also with Troy Parrott scoring two, who, who says he's not going to go on a run now as well? That'd be terrific for MK Dons. But yeah, with Moisa or Moisa, we really need to ask him, don't we, directly about that. Um, I feel like he, he deserves a shot, you know. He had a fantastic record at Cheltenham and I watched him there quite a bit when I was doing the Cheltenham games. And he did all right at Peterborough. And he's having a really decent season for MK Dons. So I'd be surprised if sort of a, a mid-table championship side didn't pick him up. And I could see him scoring goals for sure. But yeah, this is mouthwatering, isn't it, for, for both of them. We know that we're going to have got the games in hand. But in that sense, does it take the pressure off MK Dons a little bit? I, I would argue that maybe it does. Yeah, I mean, and also I was kind of distracted then by thinking about Moisa Moisa. And if he was a goalie, he'd definitely be Moisa, wouldn't he? Because savings, I guess, but because he's a striker. No, that's the, do you know, <laughs> Soccer not. Saturday, that's the, that's the joke that Jeff made every every week about savings, investments and things oh, like you, that. Uh, you've stolen that, you you've could, stolen that. You could bank on him. No, no. I've subconsciously could, oh. stolen it after I stole something off Colin Murray last week. My word, was, uh, <laughs> not a good run. Subconsciously, no. no you're, you're a funny guy. Don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I'm funny. What about Wigan, Adrian? Are they still great away? I mean, I kind of feel like it, the narrative is shifting towards uh, Wigan going to bottle it a bit. But mm. you look at their, you know, their record, particularly away from home, is is outstanding. They lost a penalty shootout in midweek with a much changed team. They, they had that home defeat by Sunderland, but other than that, there's no reason to think that they're going to stumble, is there? No, but they need they need to produce a morale boosting win against against someone decent, don't they? I think they're, they're stuttering, no doubt about that. Oh, this is a tough game for them. They were outplayed at the DW earlier on in this season by MK Dons. 
who won 2-1 there. I think MK won this fixture last season as well. So that stylistically, a possession side against a team that wants to play on the break, it feels like MK have got, not the Indian sign over them, but have had the advantage in matchups recently. It will be on transitions that, that Wigan pose the most danger. They're so quick at springing them. But they'll have to do it without James McLean. That is a big loss. He's suspended, isn't he, after that wrestling match the other week. Um, he's still out and that, that will hurt their hurt their prospects inside the final third because you know he's reliable when it comes to delivering the final cross, the final pass or, or shots as well. So it's a real crossroads game. They'll be pumped. Both teams will be. I think Wigan will go there with a let's keep it tight, hit them on the break mentality. For MK Dons, they might as well go for it. They might as well go for it because that the, the swing of a victory over over Wigan, the, it's effectively a six-point swing. That that could could make all the difference. So um, really interesting game. Really interesting. Also interesting, as Abby's pointing out, is it McLean or McLean? I don't know, but there's an easy oh. answer to this. Um, Rick Parry, this is your job. Get every club in the EFL to film all their players saying their own name in front of a camera yes. at the start of the season. They do it for the Premier League, but they always leave it way too late, so you miss all the new signings. It is such an easy thing to do. Please. Please. Please help Please. Uh, League Two, Mark Hughes suffered successive defeats in his first two games as Bradford City boss. He might fancy his chances, though, of picking up his first point at leaders Forest Green. He fit a sticky patch. Uh, I note, Michelle, with interest that 10 skeletons and a bunch of Roman coins and artefacts have been dug up at the site of FGR's new ground. Um, I won't ask you to comment on the validity of that, but what about the validity of FGR's title bid? No wins in five, only lost two of those. Are they just a bit complacent or is this just what happens to teams every so often? Uh, you took you took the stats off off my mouth. Is that the right word? <laughs> out, no, not off my mouth. Out of my mouth. That's the thing I was looking for. Um, I don't I don't think they're complacent. But it's we said it a couple of times in the podcast today. When the end is in sight, and for Forest Green Rovers, the end is in sight. They look like they were literally running away with it. Eight points to Northampton with a game in hand. I don't think they've got too much to worry about. Surely this is the season where they do it. But yeah, for me, just really not been that impressive since really the end of January. They were terrific in January. They had the 3-0 against Carlisle, the 4-0 against Tranmere. And since then, just haven't quite looked themselves. Such a shock leaving, losing at home to Warsaw. That was the one that, that really shocked me. And since then, they've not been their usual selves. So I don't think these players in this group is, is used to stuttering. And maybe it's a mental thing. They just need to get past that and just get the job done any which way now because they're so close, so close to the end. And for Rob Edwards, you know, the job he's done there this season has, has been terrific. So they just need to get Jamil Matt firing for the run-in. And I don't have too many doubts about them making it. Do you, Clarky? No, no, they're making yeah. it. Yeah, they're definitely going up. I actually think... That their their dip it might be bad news for Bradford because there'll, there'll there'll be a little bit of anger there, a little bit of frustration that they've given up some points that they probably shouldn't have done. So yeah, that might not be an easy game. By the way, who gave Rob Edwards his debut for Wales? Oh, was Sparky. Oh, Mark Hughes. Yeah, it was Sparky back in the day. So so they've got a little bit of history. Bit of, I'm sure there's a lot of respect between between the pair of them, but. You have to say that that Rob Edwards, you know, the the lad he used to look after, he's got a better group of players, no question. 
Is that is that the excuse for Mark Hughes then? It's, it's five defeats on the spin before him, if you before and with him, you know, if you include uh, the three games before he came in. I wonder also, Adrian, if you might appreciate this being an away game because you know those those two home games to start, as we say, big crowd, big expectations. Here he goes away to the league leaders with the pressure off, or is that not something that would bother somebody with the experience of Mark Hughes? No, I don't think it would bother him. It might might help the players. Uh, he, he couldn't have had a tougher start. Mansfield at home. The form team, Swindon at home, best away team, and now he's got Forest Green away, the best team. So it's it's not ideal. It it sounds like when he's talking, he changed the system for the last game. He went to a four four two diamond, changed from a back three. It sounds from what he's saying that he's trying to get the players to pass with more confidence, be more of a footballing team, you know, play play more attractively. And I get that, but priority's got to be at the back. They have to stem the flow of goals that they're conceding. Um, they have the, the lowest clean sheet ratio in the division. Bradford City, who me and Sam tipped for promotion at the start of this season. They, you know, they're, they're next to Scunthorpe for the, you know, lowest share of clean sheets. They've, they've picked up six in 35 matches, which is dreadful. It really is. And if there's anyone out there... Had, in the yeah. last year, they've averaged one point per game. Yeah, in the last yeah. year. And it's because they can't keep clean sheets. You, it's, you need to score two to win. So, yeah, it's, it's a massive problem. And if there's anyone out there that, that thinks they're keeping a clean sheet in this match, I, th- I think you, know, that's, that's, you get long odds on that, in my opinion. So to get anything out of it, they're going to need to score at least one goal, probably two or three. Just looking, just picking up what, what Clarkie said there, they're, they're forming League Two like I just mentioned, in the last year, they've won 12 of the last 50 league games. It's pretty shocking. And, and they're conceded 65. So, yeah, if Mark Hughes is trying to implement a new style of play, it might take a little bit of time for, for everything to click, which isn't probably what the fans want to hear. But compare that to the likes of, of Sutton in the last year, from March to March. Sutton's points, 94 in the last year. So they're the, they'd be the top of, of League Two for a few points. Of course, some of that in the National League. But I just think it's a real stark, stark contrast for Bradford's aspirations and, and for what they want to be doing where they are. They feel like they're a long way off it right now. Yeah, and that's a good illustration using Sutton and Bradford of the, the benefit of keeping a manager rather than chopping and changing every time things get a little bit sticky. All right, it's high time we brought producer Abby into the show. She's going to give us some odds on those games we've just been talking about, courtesy of Paddy Power. I've already been in the show, Matt. Did that great interview, remember? Anyway, um, let's look in the championship. Where... I, I mean, in, into the live portion of the podcast, which is not a thing because it's all pre-recorded. But yeah, yeah that interview was yesterday. Come and join the chat with Adrian, Michelle and I, Abby. Thanks, Matt. Try uh, not to be too pedantic and say the number 13 a lot. Okay, well, this is not going to help because in Luton and QPR, uh, Luton are the favourites. They are twenty-three to twenty. QPR twenty-three to ten, with uh, the draw between them more likely uh, than the QPR win at eleven to five. I'm kind of feeling goals in this game potentially. So if you fancy over two point five goals for your bet builder, that is six to five. I just feel like they've been saving up their goals for this game. If we head into League One, uh, it is MK Dons who are the favourites. Get ready, Matt. Thirteen to ten. Uh, 
for them to beat <laughs> Wigan. They are 19 to 10 themselves with the draw, 23 to 10. And if you fancy uh, Moisa, Moisa to score a goal in this game at any point, that is 12 to 5. And finally, into Forest Green, Bradford in League Two, where Forest Green are the odds on favourites. They are uh, 11 to 8, and uh, Bradford are 7 to two to win that game with a draw 27 to 10 but of course we'll be uh, like the uh, Cotswold archaeology team back on Monday to pick over the bones of all of those results <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app it's over 18s only prices are accurate at the time of recording T's and C's apply and when the fun stops stop all right before we go after John Yems mentioned Bruce Forsyth let's pair up a club or a manager with its ideal game show. Uh, Michelle, this is not in your wheelhouse, is it? You're anti-game shows. No, no, I'm not anti-game show. I'm not anti-game show as such. I just, I don't really watch many game shows. So if you were to talk to me about a game show, I wouldn't know what was happening on it. Okay, so the only one I know is The Cube, really. And I'm trying to think of maybe the coolest or who comes across as the most zen EFL manager. And I struggled to think of a really zen EFL manager, so I thought I'd put that back on you, Matt, like someone who's completely chilled and would absolutely boss the cube. But that's as far as I got when Abby sent this over. I was like, I know nothing about game shows. The cube is my limit. Steve Cooper's pretty cool. Uh, Abby says, Michelle, that she thinks you definitely watch The Masked Singer. I would say that's not a game show, that's uh... a talent contest, but... Yeah, no, it's been, I, I won't lie, it's been on in the background, not for me, for my two-year-old. But Best show on yeah. TV. Don't, don't be ashamed of it, Michelle. <laughs> it's outstanding. Um, but yeah, someone who's got a good set of lungs maybe for the mass Singer. But um, oh, I'll tell you who, well, he's not there anymore, Valko Panovic. If you ever sit by the dugout at Reading, he's got a good set of lungs. So maybe him for the mass Singer, but he doesn't qualify because he's left. So over to Clarkey. Stacey Solomon's gutted with you, Clarkie. You were bigging up whatever her nonsense TV programme was last week. Now you've ditched it in favour of the mask. Oh, thing. that's a great programme, Clarkie. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Who've you got, Adrian? Yeah. Game oh, shows, got... EFL people. I bet you've got an exhaustive list. I've got, I've got three for you. I'm, I'm quite pleased with these. Here we go. Call my duff. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Jamie right. Duff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheltenham manager. Definitely. Uh, you call call him Duff. Duff. I was thinking Damien Michael. Duff. Yeah. Michael Duff. Duff. Of course. Yeah. Call my Duff. Yeah, it's just yeah. got a nice ring to it, hasn't it? Um, yeah. You can you can adapt it. You know, for for you know Duff related things. Um, for me, this is a gimme. Eight out of ten black cats. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this one, it just works. It's the wall. Hosted by Danny Dyer, of course, at the Den. But but let's host it at the Den. Um, the Wall, the most Millwall presenter going, you know, hosting a show called The Wall at the Den. Isn't he a West Ham exclu- fan? Yeah, but he's just Millwall, isn't he? In terms of- <laughs> he's he's just actor. Millwall. He's, he, can play the, he can play the part of a, of, a, of a Millwall fan, I think, better than any of us three on, on, on this podcast. So I think that would... Uh, that would work quite nicely. So, yeah, that, those are my three offerings. You really uh, went for I'm, that, Clarky. Names and yeah. everything. I'm really impressed. Yeah, defo. See, I've come at it from a slightly different angle. So just associating clubs or people with game yeah, shows. Yeah, that's Abby's what I was pointing thinking. out that, that Gareth Ainsworth would, would be decent on uh, The Masked Singer. Uh, I've got Marco Silva yep. going for gold because uh, they're <laughs> trying to finish first. His name's Silva. Uh, Derby, either Jeopardy or Call My Bluff. Uh, Scunthorpe, Pointless. 
And uh, <laughs> uh, the most obvious one, I can't believe nobody picked this, Reading, Family Fortunes. What, with the Medeski? Wait for the penny to drop. No, Paul Ince and Tom Ince, the thing that we've been talking oh, about yeah. every show for like right, the last yeah. month. Right, yeah. What yeah, am I talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty highbrow, that, so don't feel bad that you didn't get oh, it, guys. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> well, listener, if you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, we will be back on Monday when we'll react to everything that happens over the weekend and more. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, many thanks to Michelle, to Adrian, to Richie Wellens, and to Abby for joining us, too. Uh, we'll catch up with you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. <laughs>